I know we always talk about those people that hear from God just all the time. I'm not one of those people. I don't just hear from God in every day, 24-7, you know. But when you get in the right atmosphere, you have to be open to let God start talking to you. And uh, so uh, I feel like God's going to do something awesome tonight. And the uh, pastor was asking about revival stories. And, and uh, uh, man, I love revival. I love revival. I, I love it. And so uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do in this house. And so uh, it's okay if I pray for you guys real quick. That's okay. You don't, you don't have to get up. Just use to stay right where you are. Just and you can eat your cake. And that's okay. It's not going to affect anything. Uh, first of all, I, uh, I appreciate so much how everything, uh, and I don't know a story behind everything, but, but so much of what, what is connected to the house honors God, honors the Holy Spirit. Um, even the clock, you know, it, it's just, it feels like everything just has a purpose. And uh, I don't know, uh, uh, even the fragrance in the room, you know, you smell the anointing when you walk in, and that's just so awesome. And uh, I really feel you connected to God's heart. Whenever I go to a service, whenever I go to a church, it doesn't matter if I've never been there, I've been there a million times, I always pray and say, God, connect me to the heart of the people, which is, God, connect me to your heart, and in connected to your heart, we have one mind, we have one accord, and uh, I really feel you're connected to the heart of God. You know, I really feel like your heart and, and your, your passion is for what pleases Him. And uh, everything visually takes you to a place of the Spirit. And uh, since I've been here three times, you've kind of stepped into my heart inadvertently. Uh, when you uh, came in, we were talking about being pr- tired, and when you preach, you preach. Well, that's, that's my statement. So that's, that's right from my heart. And then I was asking the Lord, Lord, what, what should I preach tonight? And, uh, I, you know, there are millions of messages, but I feel a real connection to this house and the gifts of the Spirit. And so I really was going to come in and talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. I always do. That's just part of me. But uh, the Lord really spoke to me and told me to go to Isaiah 35. And then I walk in and the little poster right here, Isaiah 35. And uh, so there's so many things in the stories of revival, I, I, I believe, in, in sharing the stories of revival. So, so I really feel you connected to God's heart. And something else you just said, when you were praying, you asked God to give us detailed words of knowledge. That's the season that we are absolutely in where the church is going to have to have detailed words of knowledge. So I really feel like the Lord is saying to you tonight that he's connected you to his heart. He's connected you to his spirit. And that God is getting ready to, uh, God has already given you the city. God's given you the region. And I really feel like God is uh, extending your hand and extending your reach, uh, really like never before. And he's just going to bombard you with dreams and visions. And I really feel like for years, God has propped you up for such a time as this. Because we are absolutely entering a special season of God. Tonight, I don't want to talk about seasons. <coughs> but we are, you are absolutely entering into a season that God has prepared you for, even from the day that he called you. And there are things in both of your lives, that is, you go through your life, you see where the enemy really had his hand in trying to pull you away from what God had from you for your prophetic destiny. But I uh, want you to know that even those things are the things that God's going to use in the forefront of your life and your ministry to help do what God's called you to do. So God's absolutely taking the things that were meant to destroy you. He's turning them out. and he's, It's going to be to bring restoration to your life, not just you, but others around you. And I see your realm of influence is just exploding. Um, I see God uh, not just uh, not just through the church, but through the church, but also in people around you. That God's going to give you favor with the right people at the right time. And uh, there is a level of knowledge, a level of elevation that I see. 
and not to build you up and be boastful, but there's a, 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 a fresh place that God has placed you in that is, that is uh, it's acquired study and prayer and seeking Him, but it has a place of elevation that not everybody can go to. And the Lord said He's trusting you with some things because He can trust you. And so, Lord Jesus, God, I just bless this house. And Lord, I just uh, I bless these pastors. Lord God, I thank you for a house that honors you. And Lord, I give you all the glory and I give you the praise for it. And the Lord loves the two of you so much. And he loves the love that you have for each other. And it's something very precious. And it is not something everybody has. We know that. But I want you to know that God really loves the two of you. And he loves your relationship. And he loves the heart that you have. And uh, the precious couple over here... Um, we were talking, and they were talking about being married back in February, and, and uh, uh, when I walked in, the Lord said that he loved your relationship, and now I know why. Because of the relationship that you have, it's going to be imparted to the people that come up under you, and they align yourself under this house. And so you, in a generation where marriage has been taken very lightly, um, especially in the culture, and the pop culture of today, marriage has become just absolutely, it has become unsacred to the people of today, but it is still sacred to God. And in the midst of all of that, God's going to cause the people that he connects you with to honor the covenants that God has given them. Amen. So, Lord, I just thank you for it and I just give you glory and I give you praise. And I thank you so much for this house. And I thank you. And, God, I ask that you bless this house in Jesus' precious name. Amen, 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 amen. So tonight I just um, I want to share with you just a little bit about what God's saying in this season right now. And if you can turn your Bibles to Isaiah 35, uh, wasn't the praise and worship wonderful? Man, it was, what an awesome night of praise and worship. We had um, we, uh, places that we go all over, all over the country. I talk about uh, this precious house everywhere we go because there is such an anointing that's on this house. And uh, the leadership of this house, uh, your pastors, uh, just the way you pray. You always know spiritual, uh, uh, you, you, all, you always know spiritual growth and a uh, place of spiritual standing by the way people pray. And when you can pray, that's when you know God's, God's really doing something. Amen. And a lot of places we go, they just use videos today. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Sometimes that's just the best that we have. But you are so blessed to have such good praise and worship have a, such a good foundation, and I'm just excited to see what God's getting ready to do. A little bit about my journey as I get into the Word tonight to talk to you about uh, my season, amen? Tell your neighbor it's my season. Do you really believe that? This is, this, this is your season. You need to take ownership of your season. I saw uh, Pastor De, and, and I'm, uh, I, you have probably forgotten more Jewish roots than I know, but is there a significance in the different horns? Or they, they have different purposes. So, so uh, is it okay if I, if I take one? I'm not going to play it or anything. That would be tragic. Amen. But, uh, but uh, something that God has really spoken to me in this season is to embrace your process. So some of you, your process has been completely different than my process, completely different from pastors, maybe completely different than anybody around you. But uh, when I saw these, uh, these horns tonight, I began to think of this process right here. Because uh, the keyboard right here, it has a particular sound that can be manipulated by man. The drums would be the same thing, and string instrument in general, there's a way that you play. But this, when this animal was born, God said, I'm going to cause this kind of sound to come out of you someday. 
And God selected a process that would bring, and I don't know the process of bringing this horn into existence other than God allowed it to grow on the front of an animal, right? And when they cut that off, and of course there's the ones that, that are much longer and there's the ones that are right here that, that are smaller. There is a praise that will come out of that animal that will come out of that horn, that will come out of nobody else. Friend, I want you to know tonight there's a praise, there's a process that's going to come out of you that cannot come out of anybody else because of the things that have brought you to this moment. If I were to ask you where you came from, your background, we might have a similar story, but every story is going to be different. And I want you to know that your process is important. Your process is important. I know me, I, I, I was raised by a single mom. I know we were poor. I mean, we were dirt poor. Uh, we, I grew up in Mississippi. I've, I've kind of lived all over the country. I grew up in Mississippi. I was born in Tennessee, grew up in Mississippi, moved to the Midwest as a teenager, started pastoring my first church when I was 21 years old. Later, I moved to Iowa when I was 27 and began pastoring a church there where I was for 15 years. My process has been different than others. And there are many times I went before God and said, God, I don't understand why I've had to go through these things. I had an evangelist the other day that was sharing with me. He's been through my process since I was with you last. I've, I've not, I'm, not, I'm not a senior pastor anymore. We resigned our pastoral position and we went full-time evangelism. And that's been a huge transition for me. It's not that I didn't love my church. I did. I'm still apostolically over that church. But I really felt that call, that draw to the prophetic apostolic ministry. And when God called us into ministry, uh, a friend of mine the other day was saying he did the same thing. His process was very similar to mine. And he came in and uh, he said, I went into three days of prayer and fasting. I said, man, that's awesome. That's what we should do. He said, when I came out and uh, resigned from my church, I had 87 invitations to go around the world and preach the gospel. I thought, man, how awesome is that? When God called me into full-time evangelism, we left everything behind. And uh, I had two invitations, and one of them was in March, and the other one was in November. <laughs> But I knew that my process may have been different, but God is still in your process. We can be upset because of what we've been through. We can be upset because of that prophet says, or we can embrace that process and say, all right, God, you have given me control over these areas of my life. God, I surrender them completely to you. I want you to use it to mold me and make me and cause me to be the person that I was called to be. I was talking with a, a gentleman just as, uh, in fact, last night, actually, we were in Des Moines. Iowa and after the service he came up to me and I said some similar things and he said to me he said he said that uh, he was uh, oh he worked for the Pentagon and I forget uh, everything that he had been through but uh, he said he felt like he was born a generation too late he felt a connection to World War II and to the, the, the generals and the admirals of that age and he was telling me all the things that he had been through until one day the Lord spoke to him and said son you need to embrace your process the things that you have been through they have all brought you to the this moment to put you in a position of greatness, to put you in a position where you can be used by God like never before. And we need to learn to embrace that process. We can't be mad at God because we were raised by a single mom or we lost a, a parent early on in life or we lost a child or we went through a divorce, whatever it may have been. We have got to learn to say my process is different than everyone around me, but God can still use me in my process. The generation that we have right now, we are in the next, uh, if the Lord tarries the next 20 years, we will have multitudes of children that will have been raised by homosexual couples. 
And what are we going to do with those children? Their worldview is going to be completely different than what ours is. Completely different. Uh, I know uh, Dallas, and I, I, you still consider this kind of the Dallas area, right? Dallas area is completely different from where I live in Fort Smith, Arkansas, Van Buren, Arkansas. But that is completely different than uh, uh, Waterloo, Iowa. Waterloo is a city of uh, just over 100,000 people. But I want you to know the culture is very similar to what it is right here. But I want you to know that homosexuality up there is very commonplace. It's absolutely everywhere. And we are not hating the sinner. We are hating the sin. We do not despise the people. We love the people. And we want to be a people that embrace those people. I just had a friend that went to a church. And man, I, I am core a soul winner. If we are going to ever reach the world with the gospel, we have got to go out and we have to win souls. And I know the heart of this house is to win souls. A friend of mine the other day, he was preaching at a church. And he, uh, after the service passed, he went and he went over uh, to a subway and was going to eat lunch. And he's okay if I walk around. Okay, I just I know I know the cameras there, but I, I go to churches where where we were on television and they'll tell me not to walk around and I get behind the pulpit. So if I can get free every now and then, get off my chain a little bit, I'm good. <laughs> so this this young man after service, he went to a subway to eat supper. Was just going to get some get some lunch, some uh, a sandwich, and, and go back to his room. On his way in, there was a transsexual person standing outside of the subway. And God gave him a word for him. He walked over to him and began to minister to him. The young man began to weep and he began to cry. And he began to just fall apart. He received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And he looked at uh, this young evangelist and said, can I, can I hug you? Would that be okay? And he said, of course. And here he is. He's hugging him. Now I want to paint you a picture. This man goes to a pretty uh, traditional Pentecostal church. And it just so happens while he's standing outside of a subway hugging a transvestite, a carload of Christians from the church go walking by. And they see him and instantly they go to the church and tell the pastor, we saw brother so-and-so out, uh, out in front of the subway hugging on a transsexual. And so... That night when he came to preach the service, he went, uh, went to sit down and the pastor called him aside and said, um, I want to talk to you about the events of your day. What happens is, oh man, I had such an encounter with God today. I prayed for a precious young man and he got saved outside of Subway and he was living this terrible lifestyle, but he's supposed to be here tonight. I think I seen him when I came in and the pastor said, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to ask you why you felt it necessary to go outside the walls of the church and pray for this young man. You had nobody with you. And he said, Pastor, in my defense, I mean no disrespect, but you sent me off hungry. So listen, when you send folks away hungry, you're going to have problems, right? And he said, I saw nothing wrong with that. And he said, well, what would your wife think? And she said, well, let's call her and ask her. He calls his wife. She's all excited about what God did. See, if we don't get rid of these religious stereotypes that we have right now, we can stand against sin and still embrace people and love them. And that's what the church has got to do right now. We have got to embrace this season. I want you to know the results of this election. However it would have been, people are losing their mind. It's unbelievable what's going on. I want you to know that 
that I'm, I'm thankful that God has his way and he is in, in control, right? Because uh, again, no matter how things turn out, God is still in control. We as Christians, we have to vote, we have to pray, we have to stand in the gap, but I want you to know we cannot lose our mind because it doesn't go our way or it goes our way or it doesn't go this way or it doesn't go that way. God is still in control. And we've got to embrace that process. We may be a people that are under persecution right now. And the church is under persecution. But I want you to know that God is telling his church, he's telling you that it's going to be okay. That he's going to work this out in your favor. And we pray for our nation. We pray for the direction of this nation. But I want you to know that this is a season like the church has never seen. You know, Jesus said, so it was in these days, so shall it be in the end. So it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end. So it's not new to God. It's just we have not ever seen this before. And we have to embrace that process. We can't get mad at God and say, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this, why the church is going through this, why Christians are going through this. We just have to rise up and say, God, I accept the challenge that is before me. I embrace my season, and I declare in, in hard times, I will be the greatest soul winner that there has ever been. I will be the greatest preacher I know how to be so I can glorify you in such a way that it brings so many people to you into your kingdom that we don't know what to do with them all. See, sometimes in the process, when the Jesus, nah, maybe, let me think just for a second. All right. When the Jesus culture movement hit, the, they, the, 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 they, people were just getting saved left and right. There was a lot of people being taught about what was going on. And so there was a lot of worldliness that entered the church at that time because people were just getting saved so fast. And some of the people that were leading Bible study were smoking dope. They just didn't know they were doing anything wrong. But then revelation began to come in. It began to line people up and they began to hear the word. But if we're not careful, we might be that generation that says, oh, just leave them alone. We won't bring, we won't be a mother. We won't be a father. In this generation, everybody's looking for a mentor. And I, I'm not disregarding that statement, but everybody wants a mentor. I need a mentor. I need a mentor in the kingdom. I understand the thought, but what the kingdom needs is mothers and fathers. Because you can get rid of a mentor. A mentor, you can say, I don't like what they said. I'll find another mentor. But a father you are connected to forever. Oh, come on. It's okay to say amen every now and then. In fact, if you say it a lot, the better it will be for me. <laughs> I want you to know that this is our season. When I got saved, I, I, uh, I was just a kid. And uh, I... Uh, I was going to church by myself. My family didn't go to church. Now, they were in and out of church. I don't know if anybody ever wrestled with that, but, but uh, my mom went for a while, and then she wouldn't. And, and uh, so she had been out of church for several years now. And I either went to church by a church bus, or there was a family that would come and pick me up and take me to the house of God. And I loved the house of God. I loved church. It was in me. There was a, there was a, a, a call of God on my, on my heart very early, uh, very early in my life. And I started preaching really early. Now, I got through my teenage years. I got away from God for a little while. But I had uh, been really seeking God. And I was in Sunday school class one Sunday morning. And the presence of God just fell on me. And I had to get up and go up to the, uh, the sanctuary. The teacher asked me to, to just go up and go to the sanctuary and begin to pray. And I went up at the altar. The presence of God just fell on me really strong. It happened during school a time or two. And I felt that call of God early in my life. 
Well, I was praying and I was believing for my mom to get saved. And I mean, that, that was the only thing that I prayed for. When I went to church, I prayed, God save my mama. When I went to Bible study, God save my mama. If we had prayer requests during service, I would say, God, please save my mama. And uh, one Wednesday night, we had one of those services. And I told my mom, I said, listen, I really want you to go to church with me tonight. And she said, you know, I'm just, just not ready for that right now, Ben Game. Just, just go on without me and don't worry about it. We had been living with some friends. Uh, we'd been just had kind of a hard time, just not going into details. We'd had a hard time. We lived in a little room that was probably all oh, about a quarter the size of this room and about that long. And we had a curtain down the middle of it. My bed and stuff was on one side. My mom was on the other. And um, the people that, that we were staying with, were they were uh, part of the church. And they were the ones that would pick me up. Brother and Sister Jones, precious little people. And that night I had gotten home after seeking God so diligently for my mom to be saved. That night about, oh, I don't know, maybe at 12 o'clock at night, my mom came and she woke me up. And she said, Benny, do you hear that? And I said, hear what? And she said, do you hear that noise? There's a bird outside my window that won't let me sleep. And I said, Mom, I said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know why it would be there. And she said, you don't think it's odd? And again, I'm just a kid, but my mom was kind of, you know, uh, we were, it was just me and her, so we were really close. And so she didn't think anything of asking my advice on this, even though I was a kid. And I said, I really don't know, Mom. And so I laid down, went back to sleep. She comes to me an hour or so later. And she said, Benny, don't you think it's odd that this bird is outside my window? And I said, you know, I really don't know. I said, uh, and it's making all kinds of noise. I heard it, but it just did not affect me. About an hour later, she came back to me and said, Benny, Dean, this bird is really, really, really scaring me. I heard somewhere that if a bird came to your window like that, that you wouldn't live through the night. And she stopped me and said, Benny, will you pray with me and ask Jesus to come into my heart because I don't want to die tonight and not make it into heaven. Come on. I want you to know right there, I prayed with my mom. God did. She gave her heart to Jesus and God did a miracle through a bird sitting on a windowsill at three o'clock in the morning. So on Sunday, I could not wait to get to church to tell my pastor what had happened. And me and mom were in church for the first time in years. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things I was aware she was not living for God, you know. She wasn't just going to church. She wasn't living for the Lord. And I went to my pastor. And I said, Pastor, I said, I got to tell you what happened. And I told him the story. He said, would you like to testify tonight? Would you like to share a little bit? And I said, yes, sir, I would. So I preached my very first message. You know what I called that message? My message was if God can send a... A donkey to a prophet, then God can send a bird to the window of your lost loved ones so they will know Jesus. See, we need to be a people that my process is a little bit different than yours, but I want you to know that I learned, even though it was different, I embraced that process and I said, God, I'm going to stand where I know to stand. I'm going to do what I know to do, and if I don't know what to do, I will seek you and you will give me wisdom and knowledge in that situation. So we need to be a people that we embrace our season. We rise up for such a time as this and we recognize I am anointed for this moment right now. Samson was anointed for a moment. David was anointed for a moment. I know they had a calling. I know that they had the opportunity to walk in an anointing their whole life. But there is a moment that God will draw to you that if you will just embrace that moment and say, God, I don't know why I'm here, but I say, God, thank you for being with me in this moment. There was a little girl. Uh, her dad was a pastor. She grew up in church. She'd been through the ranks of youth group youth leader, all this stuff, and 
She became very popular in school, a very pretty little girl. Her name was Annie Lobert. Has anybody, anybody heard of her? She has a ministry today that's called Hooking for Jesus. If you look up her website, she ministers to prostitutes, not ex-prostitutes, to prostitutes. Come on, that's pretty radical because I know most folks, you start talking about that, they want to throw you out of the church. But here she is going out into the world and saying, I'm going out and I'm getting the lost sheep. But her story was when she was in high school, she'd gotten away from God. And when she did, she ended up uh, getting with the wrong crowd. She wound up in Las Vegas, Nevada, prostituting herself out. She had a, she, you know, we like to glorify the sex industry, but that's an ugly, terrible sex uh, industry. Um, they have enslaved people. These people that, that, uh, that are involved in these pornographic videos, many times they are so doped up. And so high, they're unaware of where they are. And she has been just uh, submerged into that world. Good little Baptist girl is all of a sudden submerged into a world of pornography. And so here she is. She goes up. And she's supposed to meet a client in a room. And when she gets to that room, the, the man ends up, ends up robbing her and taking her money. And, and she goes down and, and uh, just, uh, just a terrible situation. She goes down. Her, her pimp, who was supposed to be protecting her, is in the, uh, the foyer of this hotel, big luxury hotel. She, is a, she considers herself to not be a, a, a bad person because she considers herself to be a high dollar hooker. So as far as hookers go, she's the cream of the crop. So in her mind, she was better than everybody else. So here she is. She goes down and she tells this man what happened. Well, uh, they've uh, this man is a uh, just these are her words. This 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 man is mean and he beats these girls and he had beaten her on more than one occasion. And uh, he takes this girl out and uh, strips her down, throws her in the back of his car, and he is driving her out into the middle of the Nevada desert. All he is going to kill her. She says, this is her testimony, he's done it before. We had girls disappear, and I know that he was taking me out to the middle of the desert. He's going to kill me. He's going to bury me, and I'll never be heard from again. And here she said, she laid in that trunk. She's naked. He's beat her. She's brokenhearted. And the only thing she can think of is the gospel that her daddy used to preach. Come on now. You know, if it's inside of you, it'll come out of you. And so here she is. She's laying there. And she said, I wanted to pray, but I could not pray. Couldn't do it. Couldn't find the words. She said, I tried to open my mouth, but I couldn't pray. You ever been there? I have. I wanted to pray, but I couldn't do it. And then we think, well, I'll pray in my mind. Listen, there's a big difference in praying out loud and praying in your mind. It's okay to meditate. You should do that. But, man, we got to be vocal with our prayers. She said, I laid there in that car knowing I'm going to die. And she said, I began to, from inside, I began to repent. And she said, I couldn't pray. But all of a sudden, she began to sing. And she started singing, Jesus loves me. This I know. And all of a sudden, that, that, old, that old boy slammed that car in the park, jumped out, flipped open the trunk on that car, started screaming at her to stop singing that song. And uh, she laid there and he shut the trunk. She started singing it again. This went on two or three different times until he spun that car completely around, took her back into town, grabbed her, threw her out of that car and says, I never want to see you again. Instantly, God took her from on her deathbed to being set free from this lifestyle. 
She gets back into the room where her clothes and everything was. And when she gets in there, she calls her dad on the phone. And her dad is weeping and said, I was just praying for you. I want you to know that we need to be her process, her, the way she went about getting saved was so different from anything I have ever heard in my life that we got to embrace that process. We can't question it. We can't come against it. We can't say, well, somebody had it so much better than me. I've heard people that have been church their whole lives and they've never had to go out. They've never gone through the drug culture. They've never had sex outside of marriage. And all of a sudden they get to an age where they lose their mind, where they start saying things like well I felt like I needed to live a little so I could have a testimony what a lie from the pits of hell your testimony is you did not have to go through those things you did not have to do that and God still used you anyway I come before you today I got away from the Lord but I've never been drunk a day in my life never been high a day in my life I want you to know that that you don't have to go down that path God's people don't have to go down that path You've got to embrace your season and say, this is my season. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 35. Just read you a few verses. And, and does anybody need healing tonight? Is anybody in pain in their body? Just let me see your hand. Amen. Anybody in pain in their knees? Anybody have knee pain? Sis, anybody else? I mean, you have knee pain, darling? Hands? You have knee pain? Anybody have a problem with your hands? Amen. Well, I'm, going to, I'm going to read you a patch of scripture here. Uh, and I'm going to go through this for just a moment. But the highest level of prophetic word is the word. Highest level of, of, of prophetic utterance is the word of God. Because these are God's words. And so when we find a prophetic word in the Bible, we get a promise. Man, we've got to stand on that promise. We can see God move for us. Amen. So I'm going to read this to you just real quick. And starting in verse 1. Isaiah 35, 1 says, even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. God is saying even the place of wandering and even the dry places in your life, you're going to be glad. Now, I know this is a prophetic indicator of what's to come with Christ Jesus. We understand that, a prophetic indicator of the, the bliss that we can find in knowing Christ. But I also want you to know that there's a dual meaning here, that God is saying, even in your driest of places, I will cause you to be glad. In your driest of places, God will cause joy to begin to spring up in your life. In your hardest, when your marriage is on the rocks, God will cause pleasure to come into your life. God will change your heart. When you are in the midst of the biggest trial you've ever had at your workplace, God can step in in that moment and make your wilderness, make your desert a glad place. How awesome is that? And he'll do that for you. We have to recognize God wants this for us more than we do ourselves. And it says this, and the wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Now, what's, what's your version say? Somebody says something else, I'm sure. What's your Bible say? Did you say crocuses? Does anybody say anything different? Did you say rose, maybe? Or maybe a different flower? Uh, I went through and I started studying this out. Pastor, I didn't know what a crocus was. Does anybody know what a crocus is? It, it's a flower. It is. But Say it again. It's a flower, but it's a kind of flower. Do you know what kind of flower it is? It is a flower that blooms in every season. Does not matter the season. This is a flower that will bloom all the time. I want you to know God wants us to be like that flower that blooms in every season. So the inspiration for this for this message was this. I had this precious little uh, precious little lady that came to her church. Her name was Sister O. Sister O, man, she was a spitfire. Uh, she loved Jesus with her whole heart. And she would go through after service and clean up all the trash in the, in the pews and things. And I remember when she got sick. 
and nobody was doing that and how quickly that stuff built up and we had to go and reassign that task to somebody else. See, you never know the difference that is being made until that person's not there. We're not careful. We'll take for granted the things in our lives that are already there and we'll miss them when they're gone. Or we can layer our lives and make sure that we have people speaking into our lives and we know prophetically what's going to come next. We know prophetically what will be missing and what will be added to our life in this season and in the next. And so I went to visit Sister Ol many times and I remember when she passed away and they asked me to do her funeral. And I went up, and she didn't have very, she was, uh, she was elderly. She didn't have very many children. She was close to 90 when she went to be with the Lord. And she loved the Lord. Many times I took her communion. Many times I went and prayed with her. But this precious little lady, uh, her family was there, and I stood and I did the funeral. And they came to me later, and I'll be honest, I visited her more than her family did. And they came to me and said, well, you knew Mom really well. And I said, yeah, I spent a lot of time with her. So she's one of my favorite people. They went and they got this beautiful lily and they brought it to me and they said, we'd like you to have this in honor of mom. I thought, wow, that's just great. And so we had a lily bed there at the church. So we went, my wife took that little lily and she planted it right there in that lily bed. And, uh, you know, we, we were thankful for it and we, were, we felt this was an honor to her and we were excited to see that it would bloom every year, you know. Well, that year we had gotten a an early snow. In fact, it was about this time of the year that we got this, this, this snow there and kind of killed off everything. Everything had really started dying off. All the flower beds were empty and everything. But, but a snow had come in and really did a, did a number on everything. And so I pull into my, my office one day and I look. And over there in that flower bed where those lilies are, there is that lily that we planted. And it is in full bloom. It's not winter. It's late fall. But we've already had snow. And here we are, full bloom lily. First of all, I felt like that was the Lord reminding me of a person in my life that affected me in a positive way. But secondly, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to cause you to bloom outside your season. And one of the things I've learned about ministry is everything has a season. We know Ecclesiastes tells us for everything there's a season. The man in ministry, I learned the seasons of my church. When we started pastoring, we went up to Iowa in, in 2001. First of all, we went up there. Uh, we went to a church that was broken. They were hurting. They were hurting people. They had split over and over and over again. Uh, we went up there. We really thought when we got up there, pastor, there were supposed to be about 50 or 60 people when we went up and met everybody. Well, that's if you drew people from Michigan and, and South Dakota and all these places spread out all over America. Everybody came to these services to be a part of it. And after everything settled, we had 10 people on a Sunday morning. Now, here we are. We have a building. We have a... Um, a mortgage. Our mortgage is right around $800 a month. We have an aging building and we have a side debt that is $70,000 that we go into because uh, the church owed some money to some people that they were never able to pay it. The church had already sold off property and parsonage and all this stuff, but God tells us to go. So here we are. We're just on fire for God. God said go. So man, we just go because we don't, no matter how hard it looks, if God said to do it, we know it's going to be okay. So it doesn't matter how hard it is, how hard it looks. If God said you can do it, you can sleep well every night knowing God told me to do this. So we go up there. Man, we broke out in a revival. We had an evangelist come in and as a friend of mine. And uh, we broke out in uh, the first week of revival. We just broke out. We went from, we'd already grown, started growing. The church had really started growing. But we grew from, uh, in that four weeks, I guess we'd grown from around 25 people 
to uh, around 80 or 90 people just in, in four weeks. There was a church that we didn't know this, unbeknownst to us, the church was shutting down. And all of a sudden, all those people started coming to our church. And so just like overnight, we just, we just started doubling and quadrupling. By the end of that summer, I think our last count was 150. So God was just really blessing us numerically, financially. But here we were. We were living in the basement of the church. God spoke to us to, to go over there. We didn't have a salary. We were full-time. We were just believing God for everything. I often say that we had all kinds of faith, but we had no sense. So here we are, and the people that the church owed this money had come to us and said, we really want this money right now. And we, we went to the bank. We did every avenue that we knew how to, and they would not let us have the money to give these people. And... I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it was God roadblocking it, I don't know if it was, I, I don't know, but I know we could not get the money to pay that debt, and we tried at every hand. They, this went on for a couple months now, and I guess they really thought since the church had grown, we were in a place where we could write an $80,000 check. I guess that's just what they thought. That's just not how it works. First of all, a lot of the people that came in, came in off the streets. They were people, they were first generation Christians. They, 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 what, the, prostitutes, drug addicts, alcoholics, uh, abusers, you name it. We had them all and loved every one of them, just believing God for miracles. And so here we are, we're praying, God, what do we do? God speaks to me to go to this conference. I, I called my pastor and said, I don't know if I should go. They're talking about taking away the church while I'm gone. I could come and the church could be gone. And my pastor said, don't operate in fear. Know that God's with you and trust the process. See, once again, my process was different than other people's, but it still got me to the same destination. Amen. I went the last night of that conference. We had a great conference. Last night, a prophet of God called me out, didn't know me from anybody, and said, you are in the biggest battle of your life, but you're about to get the biggest victory of your life. Now I have a word. Now I've got something that I can stand on, and I can say, you know what? Uh, up to this point, I knew in my heart that this was right. But now God, not knowing this man didn't know me, didn't know my process, didn't know anything, is speaking prophetically to me. So God is talking to me right now. So there's no way for him to know that. So this has to be God, and now I've got a word. I want you to know we went home within one week. They called us again and said uh, they, they'd come from another uh, another state, and, and uh, they wanted to settle this. So they, we'd already contacted a lawyer. I mean, this thing had gotten really ugly. I'm going to be honest, it did. And we're praying and we're seeking God don't know what to do and they came in and, and uh, one week to the day after I got that word they knocked on the door and said we, we really want to talk to you we really need you to give us this money and I said guys we don't have it there's no way to there was no way to work out payments we couldn't work out anything they were mad they walked out of the door and they told us they were throwing us out and told us we had just a few weeks to get everything out of the building I want you to know they got in their car and they drove around the block they came back to the church, knocked on the door. When I opened up the door, I'll never forget, this man walked into the building shaking his head. And he says, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, but I want you to know we're canceling your debt. You don't owe us a dime. I'll draw up the papers tomorrow, but I want this done. And we did. And God instantly canceled an $80,000 debt in our favor. My process, my season was different than what... I know guys that they just kind of go in, they start churches, or they go into other churches, and, and they have success, or whatever their situation, whatever their process is. I had to go in and fight. 
I mean, I had to go in, and then the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, but that's why I sent you. Ain't nobody help me tonight. See, God's looking for, you might feel like you're in a fight. You might feel like you're fighting for your family, or you're fighting for a ministry, or you're fighting for your church, or you're fighting for life, but I want you to know you're in this position because God needs a fighter in this position. He needs somebody that will stand in the gap and pray and fast when nobody else is. Woo! Man, I feel good tonight. I feel like heaven's just kind of bombarding this place tonight. Amen. Look, look what it says. It says, you'll bloom in every season. In the midst of this rough season, here we are. We're blooming like never before. God's blessed and bringing prosperity. Blessed us numerically. And the Bible says this in verse 2. It says, yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. And the desert will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon. As lovely as the mountains of Carmel or the plains of Sharon. And there the Lord will display his glory and splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. And then it says, and encourage those who have weak knees. Now, I understand that, that this has a dual meaning also. Because tiredness of hands, God is dealing with labor. He is dealing with those that have worshipped and they have prayed and they are just wore out. Also those that have prayed and stood in the gap and they've just they've been they've been down on their knees extended periods of time. And I understand there's a dual meaning there, but this is also God saying that He's gonna bring healing to this generation. Because if He did it to this generation, He could do it to this generation. And uh, we were just, uh, we were just, oh, I don't know, I, I preached this message a few times in the past few months. And every time we preach this message, we've seen people get healed. Just last week, there was a young man that came in. He had a knot on his hand right here, the size of a golf ball. And uh, it was his testimony. He said that it was arthritis and he was having problems. He was a guitar player, pastor, and, and his hands were really bothering him and had been for a long time. But he was believing God to heal him. And he came up and was showing me this knot. We prayed for him. And uh, I'll be honest, nothing happened except the pain left when we prayed. Instantly the pain left. We, a lot of times we see God just do that. You know, that's just an awesome thing God will do for us when we pray, right? So the pain instantly left. But he got, he, uh, uh, got a hold of my wife. I guess it would have been Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, he came into the church and the knot was gone. This golf ball sized knot that was, on, it was just instantly gone. He said, he, he told, he said, his testimony was, I don't know when it left. I don't know when it, I just noticed it. I looked down and it was gone. See, his process was different. This process is a little different. But sometimes don't be afraid of something just because it's a little bit different. The generation that we are in, we're going to see a lot of different. We need different right now for us to do what God's called us to do. The other day I had gone in to... Um, the other day, everything was the other day to me here a few, weeks, a few months ago, maybe even last year. <laughs> I had gone into, this, I was still in Waterloo, so it was in the past couple of years. I had gone into Dollar General. Do you have Dollar General close by? I don't know how it is around here, but, but in Arkansas and in Iowa, it's the same if you go into one. They got one cashier and a line to the back of the store. It right? doesn't matter where it is. You know, but man, we have seen the Holy Ghost move in the Dollar General. So do you know why God wants you blessed? God wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Now, God, now listen, God, uh, um, God doesn't bless us just so we can have stuff. He blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. And many times the prosperity message in the church has been skewed. But we need the prosperity message because God's people need to see that they need to be blessed. Now, think about this. You know, the very first temple that God built, he took the very best of the best all over the world, invested it into that temple. Think about that. Now, who's the temple? You are. 
So if God invested that much in a, in a temple that, that, uh, that he built all those years ago that was right out of, out of mortar and tangible, how much more does he want this temple blessed? Now, why does he want you blessed? So you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. So that you can be a blessing to others. God's looking for men and women of God for such a time as this. So I go into Dollar General, and this is why God wants us blessed. I'm standing there lying. I've got a bag of chips and, like, something to drink. And there's about three late people up in front of me. There's a little lady there, and she's one of those folks. She's got a cart full of stuff, but she's got, like, ten bottles of dish soap and ten bottles of this. I don't know what she's doing, but all kinds of the same stuff. And so... Um, um, I don't know if she just found a good deal on it and needs all that stuff individually. I don't know, but she's got all this stuff, and she goes through, and she's got a couple little kids standing in there, and uh, she had food in there, and, you know, all kinds of stuff, so it's just kind of odd the things she was buying. But she, they cite her little card, and they tell her, well, they're, can't, they're denying your card. You, you, you don't have the money for this. And, uh, you know, everybody in line's agitated. Everybody's kind of mad, you know. And, you know, can I be honest? I was a little too. <laughs> Because we've been waiting a long time, and then the card doesn't work. But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, See, this is why I have you here. And so I just kind of stepped out of line. I said, Ma'am, I said, can I just pay for this? And just share the love of Jesus with you today. And I swiped my card, and, and I paid for her, uh, for her groceries, like 50 or 60 bucks. You know, it wasn't gobs of money, but it was, you know, that's, that's uh, not exactly something you do for somebody every day, right? And so I swiped the card, and, and I invited her to church. I shared the love of Jesus with her and, and uh, went back to my place in line, hoping she would come, come to the church. We always kept little cards with us and stuff, and hoping, you know, we could invest in her again. And uh, I can honestly say, I didn't feel like I made a connection with this lady. I just, just did not feel like I'd done anything other than just been a blessing to her. And that's okay. Sometimes that's just all there is to it. I went back to my line, and I waited, and I walked up, and when I approached the cashier, she was weeping. And I laid my stuff down, and she looked at me and said, Sir, your money's not good here. And I said, why, well, why would you say that? And she said, Well, I've never seen anybody pay that kind of price for somebody before. And I stopped. And as soon as she said, Paid a price. So when you're a preacher, Pastor, you're going to preach. So I just took advantage. I got a line of people all the way back to the dog food. I just took a step back and I said, I want to talk to all of y'all about a price. I said, there was a man named Jesus Christ who 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary that paid a price for every one of you. And you may be here today. And you may be saying, I'm on my way to heaven because I'm a good person. But friend, there are none of us that are good. If you don't know Jesus Christ, and I laid out the gospel message, I had an altar call. Had people raise their hands, invited them to church, and went about my day. The whole time this little lady standing there with tears streaming down her face because she was touched by the generosity, not of Benny Baker, but of the generosity that comes with the privilege of knowing Jesus is Lord of your life. Woo! That's why God wants you blessed. Because if you're broke all the time, you can never do that. Never. Right? We as men and women of God, I tell you what, I know folks that all they do is they always broke. Never have anything, never blessed, never walk in, in the fullness of what God has for them. We all go through seasons. I can remember some tough seasons in my life. I was uh, just, I was sharing this the other day when my wife and I were in transition. We had this, this young man that had, uh, we made a connection with him. He was older than me. I was 
uh, I was 27 when we went to Waterloo, so I had been right around that age, maybe 26, 27. And uh, he had expressed an interest in us coming to preach for him. My position at our church had been filled through a series of events, um, and I was about to be looking for a job. Well, my desire was to be full-time ministry. And so I was trying to do everything I could to maintain uh, being busy for the kingdom of God. And a church hasn't opened up, and a church we were going through had fallen through, and it was just, a, just kind of a mess. This young man, I called him, and, and I told him, I said, you know, uh, told him my situation, said, yeah, I'd just love to come in and preach for you sometime. And I'll never forget what he said to me, Pastor. He said, I've got your information. I'll keep it on file, but I probably won't call you. <laughs> now, here I am. I'm a young evangelist. I'm just trying to serve the Lord. I could have been mad. I could have been angry. But see, in order for you to really get hungry, you've got to have no told to you over and over and over again. And you've just got to rise above your nose. And he told me, no, I'm probably, probably not going to call you. Listen to this. Last summer, in a season of transition, I run into this young man. And again, he's, he's quite a bit older than me. I guess he's probably in his 50s now. But I run into him at youth camp. He comes up to me and says, man, it's good to see you again. I hear God's been doing some awesome stuff in your ministry. I said, yeah, you know, and, I, and, I, and he said, I would love to have you come preach at the church sometime. Not, now, maybe, you, maybe you're not like me. You know, my flesh rose up, and I was like, yeah, I don't need you now, Joker. You know, uh, come on, don't get mad at me. That was my flesh. I cast it down. And I said, you know what, I would love to. I'm glad we were able to. I went back. We had one of the best revivals we ever had. That one door. It was a door I knocked on for almost 20 years. But in the right season, God opened up that right door. So see, we can get mad when, God, when we feel like God is telling us no. But what He's doing, He is drawing you to a season when God starts telling you yes. And if we get mad because of our process, but you don't know what I've been through. How many times in my life have I heard, uh, you don't know what I've been through? My wife, uh, we, would, we, would do, we would do marriage uh, marriage mentorship within the church. And people would say, well, you don't know what I've been through. And this is what they, they used to tell my wife. They'd say, well, Benny Baker's just a great guy, and I'm not married to Benny Baker. And my wife said, well, that's true. And she had to go before the Lord. So I don't know what to tell those people. They're being combative. I don't understand. And this is what the Lord told her. She said, you treat him a certain way. So how you treat him draws a response out of him. And so if you start treating people like that, then they'll draw that response out of you also. So the next time that came up, she laid it out and said, but this is what I do when he acts a certain way or responds to me a way and I don't like. I go back to the word and I treat him well in spite of that. I want you to know we can go around all day long and we can be mad at our process and say, I wish I had a better family. I, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. But man, until I was about 19 years old, I was waking up every day when my mom would come into my room and say surprise it's all been a game we're really loaded <laughs> sitting in the driveway right now is a brand new ferrari a puppy and a pony have at it come on am i the only one i mean am i the only one who ever grew, grew up dreaming that mom would just come in one day and say yes i knew it but it never happened but if I, and i was mad at god I went before the Lord. I remember my mom remarried. Uh, I grew up without a dad in the house, without a stepdad, nothing. And uh, she remarried after I had moved out of the house and got married. And the gentleman that she married, you know, he, God was blessing him. And they were, uh, they were both uh, trying to serve the Lord and do what was right in life. And uh, I went before the Lord and I said, God, I said, if, we if I could have just had 
almost to death. You know, my life could have been different. But God spoke to me and said, you've got to embrace your process. You can't be mad over what you didn't have. What you have to do is you've got to embrace what you do have. And when we honor what God has placed in us right now, God will, will step up and bless us with more. Daniel 2, 21, he will change times and seasons. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't give up. Psalms 1 and 3 says this, he is planted like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Genesis 8, 27 says this, there will always be seed time and harvest. We live in a world where everybody's talking about all this stuff, like, you know, the earth's just going to freeze over and everything's going to die. That's not scriptural. There's no scripture for that. The Bible says there will always be seed time and harvest. Now, I'll be the first one to say, do we need to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with? Yes. But the scripture says it trumps everything else that man thinks, that there will always be seed time and in harvest. See, I believe what God is doing. God is setting his people up for major breakthroughs. But if the enemy can come in and if he can skew your vision and keep you from appreciating and honoring what you have in your life right now. Because we live in, we live in a world where everything is going to be better soon. So who has an iPhone 6? Amen. Who has an iPhone 7? Do I have an iPhone 7? Most of the people that get an iPhone Six, they can't wait till seven comes out so they can have a seven. If, um, you know, it's got to be bigger, it's got to be better. I was just thinking tonight, I was standing there, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got an iPad. I've always had one for years. Pastor, I was just thinking to myself, I could really use that bigger one. Because <laughs> when I write things down prophetically and God starts speaking to me, I can see more of it. You know? We're always waiting for something else to come along, aren't we? We've got to embrace our process. We've got to say, God, this is where I am. Maybe my road's been different, but God, you're going to bless me in such a way that I'll know it was you. Amen? Praise God. Just slip up your hands and just love on Jesus for a minute. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this night, God. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the impartation that is coming to us, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for the miracles, the healings, the breakthroughs, Lord. God, I thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, tonight we stand prophetically and we declare, God, maybe we have not understood some of the things that has brought us to this moment. God, maybe we don't understand some of the things that are taking place in the nation around us. Maybe we don't understand some of the things culturally that are going on in the church right now. Lord, maybe we don't even agree with them. Maybe we just don't like them. But Lord, right now, we understand we are a generation like no other generation. God, we understand our process is going to be a little bit different than everyone around us. So, God, right now, we stand and we declare we are going to be a light in the church. God, we are going to embrace the process. We are going to embrace the season that we are in. And, God, we are going to be like the, 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 the crocus flower. God, we are going to bloom in every season. When the church is struggling, we're going to bloom. When the world is struggling, we're going to bloom. God, no matter what's going on anywhere in this world, God, we are going to bloom and we are going to prosper your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for it. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name.